As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to you on the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney, joined as always by Rashane Thomas from The Athletic. Um, because we are a an athletic podcast, I try to offer the sort of intelligent, um, objective as possible, um, rational analysis of football as much as I am able to do, because that's what people expect from the athletic brand, the smartest brand in football coverage. However, I have to kick off today's show by saying West Ham are fucking massive. We're huge. We're the number one club in London. We're going to win the league. We're probably going to win the cup as well. Uh, at last, everyone will realise what the West Ham way really means. Rashane. Irons, 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 <laughs> irons. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a win. What a win against Crystal Palace last night. Um, what progress under David Moyes. This is an incredible side that he has assembled. We've said so pretty much from the start of the season on this podcast. But the amazing thing is... It just keeps getting better and better. I would say that was our best performance of the season last night, Roche. I'd say definitely up there. Definitely mm. up there. And the thing that impressed me most about that performance, could have won by a greater scoreline. Definitely. I'm not exaggerating when I say West Ham could have easily scored six or seven goals. Especially the number of chances Antonio had. He had like five or six chances. The irony is he's the one that you'd, you'd, you'd put your house on finishing those chances. Although... To be fair, almost all of them came to him in an instant. Yeah. So it was split-second decision-making. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't it was like any of them... I didn't regard any of them as terrible uh, misses either. They were all kind of snapshots that either hit the post or got, say, got narrowly wide. So, you know, I, I thought he had another brilliant game for West Ham. Yeah, I agree. And, and it just goes to show that during that long period he was out, where we kept managing to put, you know, get points on the board pick up the odd win, pick up draws. We were almost half the team we are now. I almost didn't realise how essential he was to our team until he came back into it. And you think, oh my God, we were doing all right. We were picking up the odd draw here and there. Like the last game against Palace, for example, is a perfect one to look at. It was only a few weeks ago. We got a draw, but Palace probably were the better side in, in that game. But that was when Antonio was out and Haller was in. Antonio's back 
we absolutely dominated Palace from, I would say from the first minute, but let's say from the fourth minute to the last minute, we absolutely dominated them in every single way. In fact, I woke up forgetting that the final score was actually 3-2, which is so flattering to them. It's unbelievable, isn't it? So true. And just touching on Antonio, it's because of his work rate, why we love him so much, just always willing to um, put his all in for the team. And considering West Ham tend to struggle against Crystal Palace, that's what makes that victory even more delightful, if you, if you were to call it that, because they, they are, no, it's no, it's no secret of our bogey team. We're definitely our burger team, but oh, it's dominated from the first whistle. Dawson once again silencing doubters. I thought that was Ben Rama's best performance since the Leeds game. Just yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So good. I was like, it's clicked. It's definitely clicked for him now. Throughout January, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than £1 a week. Just go to athletic.com slash westertownpod to sign up and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com slash westernpod. You look at the team, you look at all 11 players, Ben Rama's probably the best example, and you think... Things are only going to get better. The trajectory for all of them, you sort of think, Ben Rama, the best is yet to come. Last night, I thought he dominated the game. Palace couldn't really live with him. But he didn't quite get his goal. Uh, but you know that a goal will come. And you get a strong feeling that once it does, the floodgates might open because his confidence will only grow. And with each game, we see him getting better. But I like to think when I look at him and see what he's capable of, that he's probably at about 60% of his full potential right now, um, which is so exciting because, he, he, you know, and, and the other thing about Ben Rama last night was he did the things we expect of him. There was tricks, there was skills, there was invention going forward. But I tell you what, off the ball, this bloke works to win the ball back really hard. In fact, they all do. This is the, this is without a doubt, the physically fittest, hardest working West Ham team I have ever seen, right? In all my years going, in 40-odd years of, of watching West Ham, I have never seen a side that is as fit and as physically uh, efficient as this team are. Because when this team lose the ball, we are like a swarm of ants all over the opposition, winning it back. We, we were stronger than the Palace players. We were fitter. We were faster. And I think we're a nightmare match for any team at the moment. I mean, Liverpool, with the phase they're going through, Jurgen Klopp and his coaching team would have looked at that match last night in preparation for the game of the weekend. And I think they'd be worried sick, in all honesty. I can't believe that we're saying that. The idea that someone would have told us a year ago that we'd be going into a game against Liverpool. And I wouldn't say that we were favourites by any means. I'd say Liverpool will, of course, have to be the favourites in that game. But Liverpool are going to be seriously worried in the form they're in. We are a team that, even on an off day, we are so resilient. We are so tough. We are a nightmare to play against. You are not going to get an easy ride for one minute in a game against David Moyes' West Ham, are you? Spot on, Sam. Over the past 12 months, West Ham have gone from being perennial strugglers to potential European challenges, which is just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And yeah, that all stems from Moyes. The players working hard, all, all, all down to the fact that Moyes demands high standards on a daily basis. If you think about someone like Ben Rama, he's patiently had to wait for his chance. 
there's been times where Ben Rahman's been taken off around the 60 minute mark and you can tell he's disappointed but he's like you know what I'll come again next week and I'll show the manager why I deserve to be a starting 11 and you want that you want players who're going to buy into the manager's uh, way of playing players going to work hard fight for the shirt we've seen it everyone the goalkeeper from Cresswell he also deserves special praise and I think I'm right to say this Cresswell's uh, no defender has provided more assists than Cresswell this season he's currently on five which is just brilliant I interviewed Julian Dix recently and he's saying he loved working with the players, especially Cresswell, but his biggest frustration with Cresswell was his first touch was always a negative pass. He wanted Cresswell to be a lot more positive in his way of thinking, provide more assists, hopefully contribute more goals, but we're definitely seeing that in terms of assists, just been brilliant. And yeah, again, it's all down to Moyes, all down to Moyes, and now he's finally getting the uh, credit he deserves. Everyone's playing well, team's doing good. I mean, how, how rare is it that here we are on a podcast talking about West Ham doing well for about, what, the six-week running now? He's just like, oh, it's been a blip in form, but we haven't seen that so far this season. I, just can't, remarkable, Sam. I, I, I can't, I can't uh, think of any time, again, in, in my life of watching West Ham, that we have won six games on the spin. I just, I mean... I just can't think that. Usually we are doing cartwheels and popping open the champagne if West Ham get two back-to-back <laughs> wins. It's that rare, right? Um, now, to have gone six on the bounce is is just like beyond belief. And the thing is, you, we went into the game last night. I was wary of Crystal Palace. I did think that they'd give us a good game because, of, as you say, they usually do. But at the same time, even when we went 1-0 down early... I'm in that strange, unfamiliar state of mind where I think that's fine because we'll definitely score. Me too, you know, me and, too. And they, and they will not score another goal against us. Well, I thought it was a shame they got that late that late second goal, actually. But but I, I just thought it's, it's no problem. If they score early, that's no problem. And these players will not let it affect their confidence. It's such a confident team. There is so much camaraderie in this team. I mean, yes... You know, it is all down to Moyes to a degree, but I also think what he's got is a collection of players who seem to just like each other and want to work with each other. And that's a hard thing. A a coach, a manager and a coaching team can play a certain role in creating that sense of unity and motivation. But a lot of it depends on the collection of individuals that you happen to have. And that collection of individuals have usually been assembled by a succession of different managers, right? And that's the case very much of our squad. There's Allardyce signings, there's Billich signings, there's Pellegrini signings, and there's Moyes signings. So, it, you know, it's a patchwork squad of people signed in different eras for different reasons. Like most Premier League squads, it's multinational too, and various different sort of ages as well in there. And yet, something has happened that that they've all clicked. If you, if you watch them on social media and the way that they talk to each other and about each other, after every game, you can you can see the spirit. But, you know, you don't even need to look at social media because you can see the way they work on the pitch for each other is unbelievable. I don't know if there's luck in that. I don't know whether or not there's leadership, there's individuals in the dressing room who are helping to bring that about, like Declan Rice. But certainly there's a sort of a vibe around our squad that I think on top of great management and motivation by our coaching team, it's just that the players themselves have, have, have sort of cultivated a vibe that is so positive and means that if we go a goal down in games or we're going into an intimidating fixture, they all know they've got each other's back. And you know what? I think that's mainly down to the fact there's no big eagles in this squad. 
Yeah. There's no big egos. There's, there's not a player like a Marko Naltovic who think they're God's greatest gift. There's no one like that in the squad. There's no one, to my knowledge, agitating for a move to a big club like a Dimitri Payet. Everyone's just in it together and everyone knows what, what they can achieve if they work hard for this team. And uh, as Moyes always touches on, trying to unlock West Ham's true potential. Because we all know this is a good team. For whatever reason, we haven't been able to maximise true potential in the past. But I'm watching this team on a weekly basis. We all are. And we all know what the team can achieve. Fourth, Sam. West Ham are fourth. Six yeah. points behind Man City. It's just remarkable. It really is. You know, like most West Ham fans, I, I jumped onto social media last night. I couldn't resist um, sticking a, a, a screenshot of the league table up and making the point that we were the number one club in London. And I can't remember last time that was the case, right? Um, but you look at it and, and some of the Chelsea and, and Spurs fans were coming back at me saying, well, you've played more games than everyone else, which is true. I think Spurs have three games in hand on us, right? But, and that, you know, that's true. And it could, this, this could be very fleeting. Uh, you know, I don't expect us to finish uh, in the top four by the end of the season. However... On the other hand, I look at it and I think, well, I don't think that table's lying because if you look at the way we are playing, I don't think that, you know, yes, we do have games in hand, but the assumption is that the other teams will, you know, that we will drop off and the other teams will win all of their games. I can't, I look through the fixtures and I, at the moment, if the team carry on playing like they did last night, I think we'd be very unlucky to drop many points for the next few weeks. And I know we've got Liverpool next, which is, you know, remains one of the hardest games of the season, irrespective of, of their form. You know, they're a fantastic team. But I don't feel scared about it. And I think that Liverpool will feel scared because the pressure is on them. There is no pressure on David Moyes' team anymore. You know, between now and the end of the season, it would have to be, I mean, it would have to be so extreme for this to be considered anything other than a successful season now. Even if we drop off and end up finishing 10th, it will still be regarded as a great season and progress under David Moyes. And therefore, there's no pressure on our players so they can go out feeling relaxed and happy and confident. It reminds me a lot of the demeanour that surrounded Alan Pardew's team that got promoted and then to the cup final. We had Marlon Harewood on here uh, during the summer and he said that the, the spirit in that squad meant that they went into every single game expecting to win. And when we got to the cup final against Liverpool, we expected to win. We weren't thinking about the other side. We just knew that we were capable of winning whoever was put in front of us. And he explained that in a way that I thought was really powerful. And it, it kind of made sense the way he described it. And I look at this team now and I think that's what they're thinking. That, that's what these lads and the coaching team think. They're going into every game now thinking we'll win this. And I, I think they'll be thinking exactly the same way about Liverpool at the weekend as they did about Palace last night or Doncaster at the weekend. I think they'll just not be thinking about, oh, this is a good opposition team. They'll be thinking about their own game. and thinking if we play our own game, we will win the match. And one player in particular who is intimidated by facing the big team is Declan Rice. In yeah. a match day programme prior to the... Um, FA Cup tie against Doncaster Rovers, he spoke well about saying, hey, listen, we're on great form right now. There's no reason why we can't potentially go on a decent cup run. Man United in the fifth round, bring them on. <laughs> bring it on. We, yeah. we could do well. Liverpool on Sunday, bring it on. We could do well. And it's just brilliant to see. I got United, mates, you were texting me at the weekend after they beat Liverpool. And, yeah. uh, you know, after the euphoria of beating their local rivals, they were thinking, oh, no, we've got West Ham in the next <laughs> round. And I had texts from a few of them saying, really nervous about playing your lot in the next round. Because everyone knows now that we are tough. Mm. And 
as much as we're a threat going forward, and and there's a lot of you know goal scoring threat in in the likes of Antonio and Suchek and and the and the skill and creativity of people like Ben Rama. It doesn't matter if those guys have an off day. You know the opposition are still going to find it tough because there is so much steel through our team. We are, we're so difficult to score against and to and to keep possession against. It's uh it's sensational. This this I thought all eleven players were superb last night. Let's uh single out one though because he deserves it. Uh, Thomas Suchek scored two goals, two really well taken goals. Um, he's our top scorer this season. He's the best goal scoring midfielder we've had in a, in a very long time. And as a sign-in, he's got to be up there amongst the very best the Premier League's seen in the last year or two. Um, arrived on loan just over a year ago and has absolutely rinsed it ever since. Just how good do you think he can be? And do you think we're going to be able to hold on to him, Rochelle? Well, in answer to the last question, I definitely think West Ham can hold on to Thomas Suchek. About a month ago, I spoke to a, a few people close to Suchek and they're saying he's loving life at West Ham. Absolutely loving life. He's so appreciative of the club and what they've done in terms of helping him feel settled in London. And there were a few reports that Bayern Munich were interested in signing Suchek. <laughs> and they were laughing. They were like, no chance. Like, Suchek loves it at West Ham. He thoroughly enjoyed playing on David Moyes. There's no way he's agitating for a move to leave right now. He just wants to keep doing well wants to keep leading by example because right now Suchek's the main guy people in Czech Republic or players I should say in Czech Republic are looking up to Suchek with him being like I'd love to be like him one day I'd love yeah. to be in his position one day and doing well and the two goals he scored against Palace we've become accustomed to, accustomed to seeing that Yeah, like he's been doing it on a regular basis for West Ham so many fans of other teams are like oh Suchek who's this player he's scoring some good goals oh Fellaini and all these other comparisons that have happened so, so often this season but I'm watching the player who's just in my opinion nowhere near his prime yet like I thought, I still think there's another level to CJ Scale. How old is he? thing. I believe he's 25. Right, so that's, just that's a, fairly young still. Quick, quick, you, quick you, look on Google. Yep, 25. Think, you think at 27, 28 as the peak, and the idea that Suchek and Rice are um, both much younger than that, and and yet already, and we've said this before, and I, and I say it again, they're the best midfield pairing in the Premier League right now. You know, one was a product of our of our youth setup, so it's completely free. And the other one, I think, cost how much did Suchek actually cost in the end? Ten million quid or something like that. About about eighteen, if I'm not mistaken. Eighteen million pounds. I tell you what, people talk about Fellaini largely because he's just tall, but he 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 reminds me in playing style, certainly not in character, because he's a Suchek is a is obviously a top bloke, um, a Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard was a player when he first came into the team. We may have thought of as more of a kind of a a workhorse type player, but then he he started to demonstrate that he could also score goals almost always with late runs into the box and uncanny an uncanny ability to sort of time his run and 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 finish first time on the end of stray crosses. That you know that's who Suchek reminds me of most in style. Uh, also, that really high level of fitness, which meant he could get all over the place, win the ball back, and then pick a pass. Very, very similar to Frank Lampard. Uh, but I'm talking Frank Lampard more in his Chelsea days than in his West Ham days. Um, so it's uh, it's tremendously exciting. To, I reckon, to have I reckon, him. right? If, if Fellaini and Tim Cahill had a baby, it would be Thomas Hucek. <laughs> it'll yeah, be Thomas yeah. Hucek. And you know how we touch on, like, obviously, players doing well every week? They're always running. Like whether it's Suchek or Four Nows, 
Sam, with the 90th minute, I'm seeing four nouns doing some long burst run. I was thinking, my goodness, like, <laughs> this is just brilliant. Really sure, is. I, I think that four nouns had his best game last night as well. I think four nouns yeah. was absolutely superb. Um, he's probably the player on this great season we've had that the, the, the only regular first team that people have been slightly indifferent to at times or perplexed by because he's not a traditional winger and neither is he a sort of a midfield playmaker. It's hard to sort of work out exactly what his role is. He doesn't often do things that take your breath away, but we're all very aware that he works very hard and, and that's obviously what appeals to Moyes. But last night, I saw him play with a level of confidence where he wanted the ball. He had the confidence when he got the ball to not just lay off the simple pass, but to use skill sometimes to hold on to it, to beat a man. Um, and we saw more of what we expected when we signed him from Spain. When we signed him from Spain, and you're all bang on the YouTube, checking out his best bits from Villarreal. And uh, he was he was a little box of tricks. And I thought, oh, okay, he's here to kind of replace Lanzini. He's the new Lanzini. And then really he's made his name in this team by just being a hard-working player. But I think it's a confidence thing. I think that he's, he took the approach of it's hard to settle in the Premier League until I can have to build the confidence to, to play my natural, more expressive game. I am going to keep the manager's uh, attention and respect by just putting 100% into every single performance. And the, and the fancy stuff can come later. And I think that's how he's kept his place in the team. But now, last night, I saw something different in him. And it's interesting because we're being linked with players at the moment, Jesse Lingard, who would probably, if you look at how Jesse Lingard would hope to get into the current West Ham team, which I think you'll find it difficult to do, but you'd think probably the most vulnerable players to Jesse Lingard's arrival would be Fornells and Ben Rama. Because he's a, a, you know, he can play in the wing or a central attacking midfielder role, and it'd be those players who who might be looking over their shoulder a bit should he arrive from Manchester United. They both had their best games last night. I can't see anyone shifting them at the moment. I agree, and it's also worth considering that Lingard's hardly played this season as well. So, if, if West Ham do sign and get that deal over the line, I don't think he's sort of played that that'll go into the team straight away. A bit like Ben Rama and Dawson have to wait a bit and then get into the team. But as you touched on, Ben Rama's in great form. Fornals in great form. Bono's in good form, providing assists last night. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for anyone, matter of fact, to come in and take a play straight away. If Moy signs a striker, I can't see Antonio getting off a place anytime soon. He's going to be like, new player coming in, all right? Bring it on, sort of yeah. thing. And you'll have to see that. Just touching on Fornals quickly. My only frustration with Fornals is that his lack of consistency on the offensive end. If four now scored every other game, to quote you at the start of the podcast, Sam, he would be effing massive. He mm. would be effing massive if he was consistent. And there was, there was a chance in the first half where I forgot who passed it to him, but he sort of, instead of taking a shot, he he, um, he let it go through his legs and allowed Cresswell to shoot. And I was sort of thinking, just put your boots through it, like, just have a goal sort of thing. So he's been great, brilliant on the defensive end, but just have more of a goal. Be more confident on the uh, offensive end. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Should we talk about this this bit more about this Lingard thing? I mean, would you welcome that? Do you think that's a decent signing if he arrives on loan, which which we're led to believe is likely now? I consider it to be a typical West Ham signing, the fact that he's hardly played, and you can count on it for Moyer to just find get the best out of him for him to do well. I'm thinking I might have said he hasn't played a league appearance. I mean, the league appearance so far for United this season, and it's the player right now. Just needs a. A bit of confidence, really, and so far we've seen that from from uh, from Moy. He's been able to get the best out of players, the likes of Dawson and others. And I feel like it would be a, a good signing for West Ham. I think that we've got a really thin squad. We're all worried about the the the, the way in which we sort of think that we're in a great run, but the wheels will fall off as as soon as we pick up another injury or two. And 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 for that reason, I can see the sense in a signing like this because first of all, it's not a big financial commitment because he's coming on loan. Um, and second of all, you think, well, you need someone who who is going to be able to to basically hit the ground running. And while it's true he doesn't have as much match sharpness as you'd want, people get a little bit overexcited about transfers and forget that we are West Ham. We're not an extremely rich Champions League team who everyone wants to come and play for. And if you think of it in that context and you're realistic, you sort of think, well, the idea that we would be signing effectively a second-choice midfielder who is 28 years old, so effectively in his prime, has got several England caps and has played and scored at a World Cup and has plenty of Champions League experience as well and and lots and lots of Premier League experience, you sort of think that is a very solid signing, especially when you think, I believe he can play right, left, central attacking and central midfield, right? When you've got a thin squad... It's very shrewd to pick up a player when you haven't got much money. You pick up a player who can play across several different positions and give you cover in a lot of different places on the field. And and if that player also is very experienced in the Premier League, so you're not taking a gamble of someone from a foreign league and, and thinking, well, hopefully he'll be able to recreate his form here. I think it's a, I think it would be a brilliant signing. But the, the main thing is, is what you say as well, is that David Moyes now... Has, has led us all to believe that whoever he buys, if it's his choice and not Sullivan's choice, the choice is a good one and he will get the very best out of a player. I mean, I'm not being funny, but Craig Dawson, if you forgot, if you looked at Craig Dawson out of context, you forgot about his time at West Brom, you forgot about his time at Watford, you forgot about all this stuff. If you were looking at him in isolation, right, he would, He, I don't know how old he is, I think he's probably too old for Southgate, he would have a shout at an England cap right now. Based on his performances in the last however many games he's played in a row, he played all six of those games. I think he might have done. You know, he's as good as any centre back in the in the Premier League at the moment. I'm not sure if it's Dawson or Fabio Cannavaro in disguise. Because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he, he's just been absolutely brilliant. And just and just very quickly on Lingard, can you imagine the goal celebrations between Lingard and Antonio? That would just no, be amazing. Be sensational. That would be yeah. really good. But yeah, on Dawson, just brilliant. I'm so happy for him because. <laughs> I mentioned some previous podcasts. I, I was a bit like Dawson, really, really Dawson, mm. and oh my goodness! He's oh just mate, been we've amazing. been through it a lot of times. Yeah. I feel, I feel that you've held your hands up sufficiently now and admitted yeah. you were wrong. But who can honestly say that they were right about anything? 
going into season. There was no one. Listen, I wasn't one of the Moyes haters, right? I think that if if you look, if you listen back to our year worth of, of doing this podcast, I don't think either of us were ever the sort of we hate Moyes. This is a terrible appointment. I think that both of us were more or less. Well, Pellegrini had to go. Moyes is available. He kept us up before. <sighs> Whatever. You know, whatever. Nothing can be worse than than now we are at the moment. And then even when he kept us up and there was good form at the end of last season, I think we were all still a little bit, okay, he's kind of earned his chance. But no one was overexcited. People just thought it's probably the best we can hope for at the moment. I tell you what, you would not swap David Moyes for any manager at the moment. What he's getting is the right man in the right place at the right time. And there is no one in the world who, who I think would be able to come in and do a job much better than what David Moyes has done. You know, he's kept, he's kept things simple. He's focused on hard work. He has not been moaning nonstop saying, we need more players. I need more to spend. That's what I really love as well, is that the squad's just been built in such a, a simple and professional way. Rashane, one thing that West Ham have never been is a club who are regarded as professional. In fact, I would say that we had a shout being the most unprofessional club in the Premier League for a number of years. But at the moment, he's like taking us into like uncharted waters because the team, the club, his demeanour, the things he says, everything about us suddenly seems a little bit professional. It's unsettling, isn't it? Absolutely spot on, Sam. Absolutely spot on. And it's good. Like, you want it to be like that. How many times have you seen, whether it be on Twitter or or journalists on TV shows talking about West Ham being run like a circus and all that sort of good stuff? It doesn't put a good uh, a good light on the club. But now on the Moyes, that narrative will definitely change. And one thing I've really loved on the, on the Moyes over the past 12 months, and I, thought, I mentioned it after the game against Doncaster, since returning to the helm in December 2019, Moyes has given eight players from the academy 13 debuts. And it's just so refreshing to see youngsters being given an opportunity. Whether it be Atheline scoring his debut, Nathan Chart, Jamal Batiste, who I rate really highly, all making their debuts uh, last week. And it's just good to see, like, right now, whether it be the first team, the academy, the culture staff, there's a, there's a positive environment right now at West Ham. Everyone's looking forward to going to work. Everyone's trying to motivate each other to get the best out of one another. And it's brilliant to see. It really is. Rashane, you know, and, and fair play to you because you've been um, keeping us all abreast of the developments in the academy team for a while now and giving us a heads up on a lot of these players. I was delighted when Jamal Baptiste came on because you've been telling me for almost a year now that he's the next great young defender to come through. Um, I didn't I didn't really know anything about Afalaya, the guy who came on and scored. Um, I wasn't expecting him to be, because obviously in the build-up, we were all expecting it to be Meepo. Meepo had some health problems, so he couldn't, I don't think he made the bench, did he? So I didn't know anything about this lad, uh, but he came on, did all right and took his goal very well. I mean, is he a is he a forward? Is he an attacking midfielder? What sort of player is he supposed to be? He's a he's a forward, twenty three. He just had the rotten luck of injury, Sam. Mm. The rotten luck of injury. Every every time he th- he's doing well for the under twenty three, he's thinking, oh, he could challenge for thirteen spot. An injury will happen in his sideline for quite some time. So that's yeah. been a big frustration for him. Uh, if I'm being realistic, I don't think he'll challenge for first team spot. I think he'd be better suited going somewhere else and you know having a career. Uh, potentially a lower league team, 23 right now. So if you think about it from a 
Anthony Fee's point of view is quite old for that sort of age range. Oh yeah, so. that is quite old, isn't it? But but to be, it's great for him to score his debut. That that's a moment that he'll always remember. No one can take that away from him. So yeah, and, and, it was and let's say to right. see the way that Ben Johnson, obviously yeah, his mate from I'm the gonna say that. ran over and gave him a, a big hug. It was a nice moment, wasn't it? It was a brilliant moment. And and just touching on Ben Johnson in the match day program, he spoke about wanting to become an entangled member of his team, and. Considering he's had a few chances to uh, to play in his team, he's always impressed, in my opinion. And yeah. it's the way in which he's bounced back from that Bournemouth game. I'm telling you right now, Sam, there are only two journalists in that press box in that pre-season match. Myself and another journalist called Brian. And like, what on earth is happening with Japan Johnson? Like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> and obviously, Moyes took him off after like 30 minutes. And we're thinking, oh, no. I think I'm right to say around that time, West Ham signs a foul. So I think, I think, just from reflecting on that match, Ben Johnson was overthinking everything, overthinking his tackles, overthinking his passing, and I just felt like he just felt like he had to perform. But yeah, he's definitely bounced back from that game, that's for sure. I'm intrigued by the mystery journalist called Brian. It was the way you said it. It, it, <laughs> made, it, it, it made it sound so, so mysterious and excited. There was another man there. His name <laughs> was Brian. Uh, oh, I will I maybe you'll give us some more name. details think, about him another time. I think it's Brian Jeeves' his last name. Brian Jeeves. Yeah. Let's yeah. find out more about him. Maybe we'll get him on the show sometime. <laughs> he sounds like a good bloke. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Are you stuck at home, bored of Netflix, and realise there's a reason people only play Scrabble once a year? Well, The Athletic is coming to your rescue. With the help of our friends at Prostate Cancer UK, we will be putting on 31 football quizzes across February and March to find our most knowledgeable subscriber and to raise money for a very important cause. We will be running a quiz for every team we cover, which of course includes West Ham. The winners of each quiz will go through to our grand final at the end of March, where there is a very nice £1,000 up for grabs, and we will match this with a donation to Prostate Cancer UK. Sign up for a free 30-day trial with The Athletic at theathletic.com slash PCUK and register to play the quiz. That's theathletic.com slash PCUK. So let's just talk about uh, Frank Lampard, Brilliant. we mentioned him earlier. Um, oh well, bad luck Frank, you lost your job at Chelsea because you spent millions and millions and millions of pounds on uh, some of the world's best players and you are several places below lowly old West Ham um, at the halfway point of the season. Just to reiterate, West Ham are currently London's number one club. Frank's gone. And whatever, you know, um, let's, let's, not, let's not get too personal. We all know how we feel about Frank Lampard. But the really good thing for us is that, as reported by The Athletic, one of the key things in the decision to sack him was his obsession with signing Declan Rice, who was, of course, a player they rejected from their academy when he was a lad. And, uh, Rice was fix- and Lampard was fixated on signing him. We now know that that is something that Abramovich and the other higher-ups at the club absolutely categorically do not want to do. 
One of the big appeals to Rice would have been playing for his boyhood hero, Frank Lampard, anyway. So suddenly, this shadow that has been hanging over us all, the fear that he's going to lead to our, leave to our rivals, um, has gone forever, hasn't it? We can we can stop worrying that, that we're going to end up seeing Declan Rice in the Chelsea shirt anytime soon. We should all get the champagne out, expense on the athletic and have a party mm. because mm-hmm. this is brilliant. It really is. And as you touched on, there was no strong desire for the hierarchy at Stamford Bridge to uh, re-sign... Declan Rice. There's a good quote in that piece uh, that was published as soon as Lampard was sacked. Great reporting from my colleagues. And it says, he needs to stop pushing for Rice or he'll lose his job. He being Frank Lampard, of course. Mm. The hierarchy are very wary about the potential embarrassment of buying back an academy reject at huge expense. And the word for that is just, it's just crazy. Embarrassment. Embarrassment about re-signing Declan Rice. Arguably be one of the best holding midfielders in the country. And as you touched on earlier, Sam, he's forming a great partnership with Thomas Suchek. Dare I say it, the best partnership in the, in the top flight right now. And it all stems, from my knowledge, it all stems from the fact that Chelsea were reluctant to spend the Bank of England money to, to sign Declan Rice, which led to be led to even a region of 60 to 80 million. They didn't want to do that. And West Ham are like, you don't want to do it? Problem, we'll keep him. <laughs> Rice still on the contract. doesn't expire till the end of the 2023-24 season, plus uh, a year option to extend. So we have all the cards, the balls in our court. If you don't want to what we think his uh, valuation is then that's entirely your problem so it's just great news for West Ham we can stop worrying about the whole Declan Rice being linked to Chelsea rumours and right now it's, it's just a moment for Declan Rice to really push in that West Ham and achieve his full potential uh, what I think is, is will Declan Rice stay West Ham forever unlikely yeah, right unlikely, but yeah. it is such a relief to know that it's improbable now that if he does leave he will go to Chelsea as far as I'm concerned, if Declan Rice wants to leave one day to join Manchester United, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich, fine, mate. Pat on the back. Thanks for the good times. Wish you all the best. Just do not go to Chelsea or Tottenham, right? Because those days have to be over now. I am sick of it. We've been through it too many times before. And besides... Times are different now. We are a bigger club than either of those. We've got the biggest stadium. When when there's not a global pandemic on, we have regularly uh, more fans. Well, every week we've got more fans watching us than they do. Uh, in Chelsea's case, significantly more. The only way is up. And it's embarrassing to lose our best players. And it's sickening to see them go to t- clubs that... Well, hate's a strong word, but, you know... And and you as a you know uh, objective and, and neutral minded uh, journalist for the Athletic maybe can't go this far, but I I think if I say I, I have a deep dislike for Chelsea and Spurs, and I just can't bear to see a player go there again. So I'm so delighted because I think there might be chance. If you know, let's be honest, if Manchester United bid a hundred million for Declan Rice in the summer, which they might do, because he's just what they need. I think that we probably would sell him for 100 million. But to be honest, fine. I haven't really, you know, let him go to United. I mean, I'll be gutted, but it, you just don't want to see players go to, to your hated London rivals. To be honest, I'd even rather see him go to Arsenal than any of those clubs, <laughs> than Spurs than Spurs yeah. or Chelsea. Yeah, you know? Rice, don't, don't be like Glenn Johnson, Lampard or Joel Cole, you know. Stay faithful for a little bit. But my match piece on the Palace game was on Declan and Rice. I mean, I sort of got a paragraph where I say... Listen, there's there's still an argument that he could outgrow West Ham. But right now on paper, 
there's not an alternative destination. Man United, they have high hopes for Scott, Scott McTominay. Plus, they have Pogba and Fred. Man City have Gundogan and Rodri. Liverpool have the reliable Jordan Henderson. If you think about like Spanish clubs, Madrid and Barcelona are in debt right now. Who's debt? Bayern Munich have Kimmich. Paris Saint-Germain have Verratti. I mean, everyone's just sort of stocked in midfield right now. And Declan wants to look at that and be like, you know what? Right now, I'm a fan favourite at West Ham. It's likely he'll be the permanent captain one day. You can go to Chelsea and play in front of whatever it is they get there, 35,000, 40,000 fans. Or you can play in front of 61,000 fans every week uh, at, at Stratford. You know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a downgrade. And, and, and plus as well, at Chelsea, you know, yeah, they've changed manager now, but they will change again. Chelsea never keep hold of a manager, even if they win the league. If you look at Conte or Ancelotti, it doesn't guarantee you any longevity. Um, what's his name? Won the bloody, uh, won the Champions League and still got the sack a few months uh, Di Matteo. Di Matteo. So th that's the other thing. As a player, you want continuity. You're going to obviously perform better if you have a role in a team and you know what that role is and it allows you to become consistent. But if the coach changes every year, then you keep finding yourself surrounded by different colleagues in different systems, it's really hard to find form. And that's one of the key reasons that I think a lot of players have failed at Chelsea, is that there's no stability there. Um, so anyway, it's it really is brilliant that he's going to that he's going to stay with us, hopefully, or at least not, not move to Chelsea. Will he be playing in a Champions League team next season, Machine? Before you answer that question on top of your head, I'm just going to give you some quick-fire fixtures right some upcoming fixtures and i just want you to tell me don't think just speak right win lose or draw that's all i want to hear from your mouth right as i say yeah. each of these fixtures okay so sunday west ham liverpool draw okay uh the following saturday fulham west ham win following saturday west ham sheffield united win on the wednesday aston villa west ham win then we've got United in the Cup, so I'm going to skip that. Um, then West Ham Spurs at the London Stadium. Draw. Okay. So in the next five league games, you're calling three wins and two draws. I think that would m more likely than not keep us in the top five, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I believe so. And, and listen, I, I'm not, you know... Being all happy and, you know, not being realistic. From what I've seen from this team so far, there's no reason why we can't get a result against Liverpool and no reason why we can't beat the likes of Fulham, Aston Villa. Not already this season. And we won't even playing great. So, right now, the fact we're on really good form right now, everyone's playing well, we can definitely pick up points over the next couple of matches. Right, we got United in the cup. That doesn't hold much fear for me. Next question, will, will we win the double? Are we going to win the league and the cup? Because I can't see any team beating us. If it were a FIFA football manager, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can see us having a good cup run. Obviously, we're, we're a bit giddy and excited when we said we're going to win the league. I definitely think West Ham can finish the top six. Mm. Previously, I said a top top eight, top ten finish would be good. But top six, I think we can do it. Listen, right now, the way the Premier League is shaping up, everyone can be everyone. It'd be so tight. This is a great chance for West Ham to achieve something special. Like, yeah. I, I don't want it to be a thing at West Ham and look back at the season and feel like, oh, if we just pushed, we could have achieved this. Now is the time to do it. It's a great opportunity right now. We can't let it pass us by. Such an exciting time. Brilliant stuff. Rashane, I uh, believe you've got some breaking news there. 
Yeah, breaking news from uh, my colleague David Ornstein. He's been told Lingard likely to get done for a loan deal of around a million as opposed to the 1.5 million Man United wanted. So yeah, great for West Ham. It made me want to sign a striker, but listen, another personnel that's being brought in is always a good thing. So yeah, this is good. And one last thing, this means that the Bren Marmel will be uh, turned permanent. So yeah, all around fantastic news for West Ham. Two great acquisitions, exciting times. Well, brilliant stuff. Um, so great to be living through these times as a West Ham fan. Let's all treasure them. Uh, I've been Sam Delaney. He's been Rashane Thomas. Until next time, come on your irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one. Samasiabu! The Athletic.